Welcome back to Birth Theology. This is Janelle. We are going to finish Centering Prayer during this episode. We'll be with Ryan, Janelle, Mark, and Eric. And Eric Peter is coming to us from the Center for Contemplative Living in Denver, Colorado. If you want to learn more about them, you can find them at www.contemplativeoutreach-co.org. We want to thank Eric for coming and talking with us. And if you want to know more about Brew Theology, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Brew Theology and at Twitter at Brew underscore Theology. Thanks so much, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I also want to let you know that during this time, we'll continue our discussion, but there also will be a brief period at the end where you can practice centering prayer. So just be aware of that. And if you don't have time to do it right now, it's something you could come back to and practice later. All right. Enjoy the show. How, you know, Janelle, Mark, and Mike is myself, you know, Eric, you've talked extensively. Uh, I'm curious about your, uh, your experiences with centering prayer, whether you call it that or not. Have you, I mean, Mark, you had mentioned that you've been doing this, but how has that transformed your own inner self and how you handle the world around you? Well, like they were talking about at the talk the other night, I wasn't really very aware of it transforming me a super duper amount. And I actually had a little bit of a sense of like frustration. And my wife and daughter were the people who said, reflected back to me like, oh no, this is you keep doing that. That's a good idea. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, that was, that, um, and I think that must be a shared enough experience because I hear it from all kinds of people um, that that, you know, just your immediate narrative or your storyline about this is what this means and ah, um, is gone or is, is diffused. It's not gone. It's, it, it remains there, but it doesn't have the kind of power. You're, you're not, you're not triggered by it anymore. You're not in that same place. You didn't have the big rush of all the fear hormones in your brain or all of those kind of things that jump in. It, it's interesting because there's that part. Um, and I'm an, teacher also so i read about brain research and a lot of that stuff and they're recommending kind of these mindfulness kind of practices mm. but they're not they're specifically not religious and and so they're doing the same job in your neural pathways but the goal is different and i to go back to your thing you were saying about the universal christ earlier i feel like there is a part of this that that's a big, it's kind of a bigger picture. Like it, there's this place of getting your, your mind to be in this place. And what that does is let you be present so you can be in the relationship, like you were saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it has these, these really good effects. And it sort of is like, to me, it's starting to feel like it's step one. <laughs> and then, and then from there, you have this sort of um, consciousness space from which to, understand better what what's happening and and it really is that it you your your mind is more ready to think about things like the universal christ rather than jesus or um like that kind of thing because the the old stories are gone or they don't have the power they did so i have like experiences of centering prayer but i have not been able to materialize it as a discipline mostly because of the unending to-do list um, and just the pressure of feeling like I can never accomplish enough. And so to take even 20 minutes 
is just, it feels overwhelming most of the time. So obviously there's something right there that needs to be dealt with. I was first introduced to it when we were at Jacob's Well in Kansas City. So I was still pretty evangelical and I was kind of stretching a little bit. Um, and someone introduced me to Cynthia back then. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? I don't understand. <laughs> um, but but in that moment, uh, we were on retreat. And so we're honestly, some of my best experiences have been in group centering prayer where we're in a space together. We're all doing it and you do it individually, but you're, you're sharing space. And I find there's something really, I don't know how to describe it, but it's not that you're thinking about the other people around you. It's not anything like that. But I think your body is aware that there are other presences near you and you're all fighting the same battle. And some of you are way more successful at it. And some of you are just getting started and, there's something about that shared experience that's been very, is honestly what I remember most about it is just knowing that I'm in this space and I'm doing something new, but I'm doing it with people that know how to do it. And their reassurance is that it's not about how long can I go between thoughts and interruptions. It's about sitting here for 20 minutes and showing up. And if you can't make it, 30 seconds it's fine it doesn't matter it's just that you're showing up for the 20 minutes and then recently more recently um i was in michigan for something and um had a moment on the lakes where i grew up there and so spent a lot of time camping there as a kid loved the lakes was always in them and have some native american heritage in my background and i just had this very like clear connection into the water and into the sand that I, I, I mean, definitely comes up for me as like a centering prayer feeling. Um, and then as things progressed over the next year and a half started to get more of an understanding of like what was going on there and where was the, what was the wider understanding of that and how did that connect into mother earth and creation and the crisis that we're in and, the role that women play in connecting with the earth. You went down the Jungian path. Maybe, yeah. And I didn't know any of that at the time that this happened. But now, like, I definitely, that has become a touch point for um, grounding out into the the earth and being able to settle myself that way, which is probably a centering practice. It's not the same thing, but, I mean, it definitely can – I can pull myself out of anxiety now and and get more of that grounded feeling fairly quickly when I remember to do it. I mean it's had I had a long-term effect but I still have not settled into a normal daily practice. I have the same experience of having it work much better as a in a group. Mm, okay. So then my the strategy was to finagle lots of groups. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my church has a group and um um, and I have, there's a group of meditators at my school. So we meet before the school day starts. Some people are doing Vipassana. Some people are doing centering prayer. Some people are just doing their secular mindfulness meditation, mm-hmm. but we're all sitting in silence yep. together. And that is great for me. And I, I, I tend to minimize why I sort of feel like it's because I'm on my best behavior. Cause I'm in a group. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm much less likely to, you know, scratch my head or like do all these crazy things, which keeps me more present, honestly. Or people pleasing works for me. It works for me in that case. Community is very important in this prayer. And accountability is very important in this prayer. And to be able to uh, put yourself in a way that you want to be accountable within your community. That's smart. That's called wisdom. (laughs) Pragmatism. (laughs) How about you, Ryan? Well, I was going to move on to the next question. You're going to ask me a vulnerable question? Yeah. (laughs) Can you do this? I used to do it. All right. Yeah. It was 2004 to 5. So that dates me a bit. Uh, It's been 14 years then since I've done this. (laughs) And I had a room in San Antonio. It was the guest bedroom, and we had no kids, and we and we had all these extra bedrooms. So, like, I use that as my meditation room, and I did centering prayer. I didn't do my Lexio Divina there, which we'll get to in a second. And I would fall asleep occasionally. I guess that's normal. And the prayer wasn't so much about it. Was, it was never. Awesome. It was never like, this is epic and great. That's the very egotistical kind of Western, you know, that, that's, that's the brand that like, you want it to be like, I'm conquering something. Um, but during the day, I felt, I definitely felt more at peace when I was doing it. You know, life happens. So I quit mm-hmm. doing it, but I, I did it for at least a good year in that's that awesome. room. And it was weird. Like, I, I would literally go to the room. Close the door. Nobody else was in the house, but I would, the dogs were, but I would close the door and there would be nothing in the room except for me. And I would have a word. And it was, sometimes it was God, sometimes it was Lord, sometimes it, I mean, whatever, or sometimes it was like a verse that I was meditating on, which could get us later into, into this reading portion a bit. Um, but the word would bring me back to self. But I have such bad ADHD, it was really hard for me. Well, yeah, imagine. Very hard. But I, I think it it gave me more <sighs> breath, peace throughout the day. Uh, and I don't know why I quit. I think, like I said, life got, life. In, life got in the way. It's like it's like people, like, you know, they work out hardcore, and next thing you know, like a, two years later, like, dude, you were jacked. What happened to you? Well, I mean, it happens. One day, two days, two weeks, two months. Oh, I have a vacation. Pizza. You have not been in the gym in three months. Becomes three years. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess the practicality, though, is is it going to make me a better husband, friend, father? And those are the three things that I really care about. I want to be, I mean, in, in any order, right? Although husband should be first. So... <laughs> That's my evangelical roots talking. That's right. <laughs> it's a sacrament. It Get is. It is. Like, if, you know, if my marriage is not going well, right, the kids won't go well, and then friendships won't go well. So I think that's probably the order, if I'm going to have an order. But those three, like, if, if it's not affecting those three, I don't really care about any prayer or exercise. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. At a very practical level, one of the fruits of this practice that I've certainly seen in myself and seems to be one of those other common fruits as Mark was referring to is that we just become better listeners and by becoming better listeners, 
we connect to people's real needs in a way that we don't have to give ourselves away <laughs> in a healthy way. And there's a whole biology in that as well. In the vagus nerve, polyvagal theory, and how this, when we're activated in this part of the brain, other nervous systems connect more naturally because you're not in a war. And so it's a very practical in that at the very base level, you're able to connect to somebody in a way where their nervous system is like, this guy's okay. I'm not, they're going to listen to me. They're empathetic to me and we can deal with anything. And so, uh, how much more practical does it get to that than that? That reminds me of Janelle when we were talked in the Gnosticism podcast, we were talking about kenosis mm -hmm. and I was thinking that this, this sort of consciousness perspective really changes what kenosis, kenosis is mm -hmm. like right. from a, from a, you know, throwing yourself in front of the bus to actually being present. able to be present and emptying in that sense. Whoa. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Wondering if we could talk about this other discipline that definitely comes full circle to allow, allowing one to center. Uh, and it's uh, Lectio, some call it Lectio Divina. It's mm -hmm. scripture reading, which sure. freaks out some people. Scripture, oh my goodness. Uh, but it's a different kind of reading. Correct. Um, can we talk about that sure. and that process and just maybe the method that can help people center themselves to tap into that, whatever well that is, to get to that river. Yeah. Uh, Lexio Divina really was the first contemplative practice of the desert fathers and mothers. And in the early monastic development, in that you'd have these monks, and it was rare that any of them read. And so they would have scripture in the morning, and they would take a word and they would pray on that word the whole day. And uh, this is a practice that still happens today in the monastic world. And it's kind of like you're taking a word and you're chewing on it. You talk about the cow with the four stomachs and you're constantly chewing and eating and swallowing and regurgitating this word. And this word, and the word becomes flesh, right? And so there's this praying process of taking a word and being able to integrate it within your entire thought system. And so Lexio Divina means uh, divine reading. And Thomas, Father Thomas Keating would call it divine listening. Another way of listening to scripture in a way that we become vulnerable, right? Because we have to, we're becoming vulnerable and allowing our heart to change. And so this process of Lexio Divina is a way of being able to integrate Scripture at all the different levels of intimacy within prayer. So it can be either a two-step method or a four-step method, meaning a method meaning four readings of the same passage. And so there's two. One is the monastic, which is two, two readings, and then the scholarly reading of Lexio Divina is four movement, what they call four mo moments. And so the first one is Lexio, 
which is the reading. And so you read the scripture and you just pay attention to whatever word or phrase grabs your attention. And then there's a moment of pause of two to three minutes. And then the second reading is meditatio. And that is the prayer of putting yourself in that situation. I call it the embodiment of the prayer where you put yourself on that boat with Jesus and with those 12 disciples and the waves are crashing and you're scared to death and Jesus is in the back of the boat just taking a nap, right? And you embody the situation in which you become one of the characters within the Scripture in whatever character you take. It's kind of like Martha, Martha, you need to only know one thing, right? It's like Eric, Eric. And so that's the second reading. And then you have another pause of two to three minutes. And then the third reading is oratio. And oratio is your responsive prayer. And in responsive prayer, at this level of prayer within uh, intimacy with God, it's, it's a friendship. And this is important because in a friendship, you cross a line. And the line you cross in a friendship, a true friendship, is no matter what happens, we'll figure it out. Right? I won't quit. You won't quit. And so uh, in, that's a, in this level of prayer, we're comfortable enough within our friendship with God that we can have a response. We can say whatever we want to say. Sometimes it is thank you so much for and great gratitude. And then sometimes it's that other one, like, you got to be kidding me, <laughs> right? Because that's authentic. And sometimes that's part of prayer too, is being authentic and being uh, comfortable within our own relationship God, with God to be able to be frustrated and angry and confused, right? So that's the third reading. And then another period of silence of two to three minutes. And then the fourth reading is contemplatio. That's the contemplative. This is the emptying, the resting in God, consenting to the presence and action of God within you. And so this was the monastic process of reading the Bible. And so that's really the nuts and bolts of, uh, but a couple of interesting books of uh those folks that are interested in reading about this is The Transformation of Lexio Divina by um, Sister Tasto, Shaped by the Word of God by Mulholland. Fascinating book on Lexio Divina. A couple of very good ones. Lexio Matters by Sister Meg Funk is another important book in the subject. That's all very good. Very practical, very... Uh, liberating too. Is it supposed to be done in community or can it be, what was the original intention? I know I've done it a, a lot more in community than individually, but was there an intention when it was created? Well, it was uh, probably most likely done originally in community because okay. that's how people gathered. People yeah. didn't have books. You know, you got a scroll and you open up the scroll and you have your 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 service and then everybody goes to work or and um 
I would say that, at least in my experiences, I have both. I have a person. It's something I just, in my daily prayer I do, I just have a, a word that I chew on, a, a, a passage that I look at in the morning as part of my, part of my practice. But then I have also community. And so mm-hmm. both, both are, I think, are, are optional. And yeah, both are fostering that relationship, that ever-deepening re- relationship that we're invited to. Yeah. Have you found similar practices in other religious traditions of this kind of meditative reading? Um, certainly how they read the Torah is very yeah. meditative, right? In fact, the Torah was... Um, considered a living breathing document right it was a way to live and so that's what the gospel is really and so that's what we're doing is changing consciousness and so we are it and we're the living breathing the word is flesh but you find this in yogic scriptures people embodying the yamas and the niyamas nonviolence, truthfulness so on so forth that's an embodiment. Yeah. That's a level of consciousness. And so, uh, yeah, there's similar methods of being able to embody this level of consciousness. Cool. If we're okay with this, I was wondering, Eric, if you could uh, guide us in something that is, of course, is on the spot right now. Because, you know, for those listening, um, wherever they are, uh, they could center themselves and center us as a community as we leave this podcast and we cheers to whatever divine source we would cheers to all right how long how how long do you want want this to last i mean it's a podcast i don't know sure yeah i mean it's probably fine okay well then uh let's just if you're out there uh you can sit wherever you're at And um, I'd say just put your feet on the ground because for the next five minutes, you want to set yourself up to where you're alert, but you're relaxed. And so you don't want to move. And so if you put your, if you're crossing your legs or something like that, then at some point you're going to want to move. And so set yourself up to where you don't think you're going to move for five minutes. And, the intention of this prayer is to consent to the presence and action of God within you. God, a God that is closer to your thought, closer than your thoughts, closer than your breathing, closer than your consciousness itself. And Jesus taught us how to pray this way when he said, go into your inner room and close the door and pray to your Father in secret. So you can do that now. You can close your eyes. This is going into the inner room. And our intention is to consent to the presence and action of God within. And how we do this is all thoughts come and go. You resist no thought. You retain no thought. You react emotionally to no thought. And thoughts is this umbrella word of all your thinking processes, all feelings, all sensations, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, and the feeling body and the thinking mind. They're all thoughts, and they all come and go. And so you resist no thought. 
You retain no thought. You re- react emotionally to, to no thought. You allow all thoughts to come and go. And you just rest in the presence and action of God within you. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Eric, Mark, Janelle. Thank you, listeners. Thank whatever you call God. Thank yourself. It's good. Appreciate uh, the time that we got to spend together. The time is beyond numbers. Mm-hmm. So if you like what you heard, go ahead and share it. And remember, we are at Brew Theology on social media, except for Twitter, which is Brew underscore Theology, because there's always something underneath the service on Twitter. Only on Twitter. Twitter's probably the best social media source, let's be honest. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Cheers. Cheers. Good night. Cheers.